you have the confidence that you can accept the ball. As a point of interest, none of my men wear protection in the joint. None. After all, you wouldn't want your attacker to get injured. That hurt my foot. Welcome to Big D After Dark. So excited to have you all join us this evening and talk FC Dallas soccer, talk North Texas, talk about upcoming, a busy week of action for FC Dallas fans, especially at home as we look ahead to an Open Cup match and Houston Dynamo. So a lot to get to tonight. We're going to get right into it. Of course, I'm Nathan Hill. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill. There in the middle is our is our good buddy Jose Carmona at El Chico Hello. Carmona, and there on the end is our good friend Ishmael Belcora at Belcora Ishma on Twitter. Please follow yes. us. Please follow us uh, for a good commentary and links and, and and banter of life and FC Dallas and soccer and so on. But we're going to get right into it. We need your uh, your comments. We need you to share the stream. We. We want to keep growing this conversation and have a lot of fun together because it is after dark. That means we, we, we have some banter. We get a little salty sometimes, and we have some fun talking about FC Dallas. So right off the bat, FC Dallas traveled to Harrison, New Jersey to play to take on the New York Red Bulls and came away with another point on the road, which has been a rare thing in recent uh, seasons for FC Dallas. It's always hard in Major League Soccer to come away with road points, but uh, FC Dallas did that, get, earning a, uh, a clean sheet behind some great goalkeeping by Martin Pass, who we'll hear from in just a moment. Unable to get the attack going, but they kind of did their job defensively. And it was a bit of a wet condition, a bit of a, a, a little slimy match out there, but hey, uh, can't take, can't take uh, too many excuses, especially when you come away with a point at the very least. So let's just get some reactions to the match. Uh, some positives that you saw, um, some things that left you wanting more, and of course, if you're watching and you want to pop in with your own comments and questions, uh, send them into the comments, and we'll we'll bring them into the to, to the show. Jose, what were your reactions to this uh, this away match against Red Bulls? Well, you know, another scrappy uh, performance on the road. They, uh, I mean, they didn't really generate a lot of shots, but you could see that they were playing for a draw. Uh, at least to keep it close and then hopefully get the fresh legs in and create shots down the stretch, which they did generate actually, you know, I mean, if that's the game plan, I think a frustration that you got from all the fans that were watching or that, uh, you know, they got to see it was how late uh, Nico waited to bring in those subs. So you have to wonder if he had gone to the bench earlier, if maybe they would have generated more chances because the, you know, the chances that had a chance to actually score mostly came once the subs came in, in like the last 10, 12 minutes of the match. And, and honestly, 
a lot of us thought I don't know a lot of us, but I know I was one of the people that thought that that was the game plan was keep it zero zero and then try to win it late. But geez, not not that late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, pass again, incredible. Um, I think uh, Ismail will be happy to to say that that Tuomasi looked like a stud on defense out there. And uh, he did. Like I said, they they weren't perfect on defense, but you're seeing this team is very scrappy on defense. They 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 maybe don't play perfect positional, but you see their scrambling abilities and their their willingness to jump in and throw their bodies to to create blocks and whatnot. I mean, that's a testament to to how much this team is fighting to get that that shout out, and, and it's great to see. And and I think you know, I think you have to be happy with the point on road. I'll take it. Ishmael, what about you? Um, uh, I'll I'll go. It, it's a it's a we've had a good first seven games, and I think when you look at the performances and the score lines, I don't think any of them raise too many red flags. I think it is slightly worrying that we haven't had not even just a dominating performance, but like a performance where we outshined the other team. Since Portland, because the Colorado game, I mean, we won by a decent margin, but it wasn't squeaky clean. Um, I think the the other thing I, I would say is that, yes, there's some frustrations with Lucci, but my main worry from Lucci isn't the subs, which is really annoying. You mean Nico? Um, Nico. 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 <laughs> That's not a good sign. Um, <laughs> That's great, though. But it, we were talking about that, Lucci before we came on, so that's. Hey, Nico right, and Lucci, the the their their similarities, bad subbing patterns. But anyway, um, the issue with the main issue I see with Nico is that this system is pushing the winger, the the midfielders really wide. Paxton and Cervania are operating almost as like like wide midfielders. And what that's causing is that in this game, it was Faku who had to deal with an entire attack in midfield running at him. And it's an attack in midfield that is crazy with press. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I would like, we talked about how Luci, uh, how Nico um, would adapt to the opposition. And he did that early on, especially with Nashville and Portland. But we haven't really see, seen that. Um, until like late in the game, and I don't know, like having Faku take on the entire young Red Bull attack, that that was asking a lot from Faku. And I think all in all, he had a good performance, all mm-hmm. things considered. When you have that attack coming at him, and he's the, basically the only midfielder, he makes his mistakes because he always does. But it's just I don't know. It's going into a game like Houston, who also will press and counterattack like Red Bulls, something has to change because I don't know if we want to test our luck a fourth time in a row. Yeah. I think you make some some good points there. I'm glad he kept pointing out Faku because it goes to show that he had his best game of the season and and, and at least least shows us why they're rotating him with Surreal because he does have his value. And it looks like this is—I believe this is his second road match that he started. So it, it appears that he's—I'm not saying it's definite, 
but maybe that is the rotation. Maybe it's uh, Kinion on the road and Sirio at home. Good, and of course, I'm, uh, for some of us, uh, keeping an eye on the Mavs match. The Mavs are playing tonight in the playoffs, and they're pulled within three, so let's keep it going there. Um, or some of you don't care, evidently. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, all right, well, well, yeah, like there were a lot of like those scrambling moments in the match that you're, you're grateful it came off for FC Dallas. I, I remember Matt Hedges clearing the ball off the line when when Post came out of goal uh, to stop a shot, and you know, and luckily Hedges was there. You know, so Red Bulls certainly had their chances. Maybe you could say they were a little unlucky not to get something else, but I think also Dallas has been solid. I think it's something to build upon. Uh, so, so just touching upon. Those two things. Uh, first, I uh, got a quick post-game media clip from Nico. I asked Nico, head coach Nico Estevez, uh, you know, just if he was concerned at all about the lack of chances going forward in this match. The team had to struggle connecting the midfield to you know, keeping the ball, which is which is common against the Red Bulls pressing team. But also, when they even when they were able to get the attack in the final third, it just didn't quite come off. So here's a quick uh, response uh, as, as I asked him that. I think that Franco Jara and Hader are, are very clear chances. Uh, and usually Franco scores that, that type of chances in front of the, the goalkeeper and Hader had a really good chance. And then other, uh, we just missed uh, one with Paul that he didn't cross the ball. And we had a, another cross that Jesus uh, was near. I think uh, to play in a way and against a team that high press, uh, like this, uh, we did enough to uh, score at least one goal, um, and uh, and I'm not worried because we knew uh, uh, where we were coming. Uh, we we came to a war here, and we knew it, and we just fought until the end. And I'm very proud of the guys. Proud of the guys. I I feel like he's being a little rosy on that picture of chances. I mean, there were you know Hara had a really good chance that probably was the best, one of the better of the game. He's got it get you know more on Hyder had a good chance near the end there although it was a tough one it's always one at an angle which can it can be a little harder than it seems um but when you look at that first half especially you know this wasn't a ton of opportunities for this attack I mean it does seem we hope this team at least doesn't end up being like a feast and famine type attack right we, we we'd like for them to get that sense of they don't just score in bunches but they, they figure out ways to score consistently. And as of yet, we're not quite seeing that. But on the road, of course, it's hard, right? So are you concerned, Ishmael, about the attack uh, yeah. so far? And I think it, I think it's a collective thing, right? Because I think we've seen that uh, when the attack is given opportunities, like with Jesus's hat trick and brace, and the fact that we've had at this point, I think, yeah, three multi-goal games i think we we've shown that we can score i mean that was an early worry but i think that's been alleviated at this point i think the main issue is again the connection right and i know this game is different because the red bulls are the highest pressing team in the league but that's like i think a good gauging point to see um what the extreme will cause for this group right i think that's a good thing to keep in mind and that extreme caused us for like a thirty, like a 25-30 minute stretch, I swear to God, where we did not get out of our own half. And that might be hyperbole, but it was, it was, was, bad. It it was, was bad. really bad. And I mean, 
that it was it was a scramble where we showed our grit, but that shouldn't be necessary. That really shouldn't. And I mean, even on the road, it doesn't. The thing with the high press is that we'll leave gaps, and that was never exploited. It was, I don't know. I think again, this kind of press won't be seen in the league unless another team decides to replicate it, re- replicate what the Red Bulls did against FC Dallas because it looked like it worked. That this might be the team's Achilles heel, but you're not going to get a lot of teams in the league that just play possession or just or just have one style of play. It will always be different. They will always have things up their sleeve. So teams will always press. And if this is how Dallas reacts every time and the fact that Paxton and Cervania are basically on the wings, meaning that the play basically is trying to force through the wings and forcing Jesus to drop even further back to do little interchanges, like there has to be like a mentality switch or something that just tells you, hey, one of the midfielders has to stay in the middle or Paxton or Cervania has to stay in the middle and just camp there. Don't like when we're in the attack, move a little bit, but stay around the center part of the field just to be able to be an option because when there's no option, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our friend Ben there, uh, the nice comment, the early season book on how to play us, press us, and we will play long balls over the top. And uh, not always the most successful action so far. Um, you would think when Hyder's uh, Obreon is on the field that speed would help. I mean, Paul Ariola has some speed too, and Velasco. But so far, that hasn't really worked. I mean, it just hasn't been the strategy. I think that's well, this Well, I dividend. think the problem with that is that not everybody's equipped for that so there's teams that will be able to do situational pressing on fc dallas uh from time to time but let's face it for to run that kind of style you need high level uh fitness and a deep bench and and young legs and there's not going to be a lot of teams able to do what the red bulls do there'll be teams that be able to mimic it for a time but i like Ishmael said it's it's not something that everybody does, so I I would I would say it's a pass test. I, I this is something where I would say we were all concerned of the havoc that that press would cause on Dallas, and it did cause some havoc, but not to the extent we thought, and and they passed it. So I, I think I think we would expect improvement the next time we see it is the right thing to say. Yeah, I just I just think that. There's like the, the the issue I have is just combining this with the Colorado game because in the Colorado like Red Bulls their press is overloading right they overload very quickly mm-hmm. just to force a mistake whether that be a bad clearance or an interception or just whatever what the what Colorado did was they pressed one on one on defense and just caused. Um, duel after duel after duel and FC Dallas in the first half could not win a single duel. It was not pretty. So my issue is two different kinds of pressing, two different inter- um two different intensities of pressing caused them to look very bad especially in the first half. Um and I mean that that just tells me that in the build up their re- FC Dallas is reactionary. They don't they don't move the ball quick enough. They don't move off the ball quick enough. 
their decision making is off slightly. So I mean, it, again, again, Red Bulls, it's not going to happen. And Colorado was very unique with their three four three kind of dueling press, but teams will look to these games. I mean, that's what this league is, mm-hmm. right? Right? Because I mean. Seattle has done pressing games before when they play with their young sides, when when they just rotate like crazy. Those kinds of games exist. And, I mean, if if we don't have a game plan by at least, like, week uh, weekday 15, that's worrying because then you enter into the stretch of a season where teams get desperate. They just look at the at the past games and just be like, let's mimic where they what they failed at, what they failed to defend. And that's 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 it's just there needs to be some kind of improvement with this with attacking through the press. Well, my my concern isn't them handling the press. I think they handled the press. My concern is them not being able to take advantage of the weaknesses in the press, which is why you see such a lopsided, you know, disappearance of of the attack. Now they were able to exploit some weaknesses in Colorado's press eventually. Not so much so in in the, in the uh, Red Bull press. So I think that's the concern. I mean, I think they've shown they can handle it, they can defend it, they can you know sustain themselves against it. But you want to see more than that. You don't want to see a team just surviving. You want to see a team that finds a way to then exploit the weaknesses that those kind of attacks, uh, defensive presses, uh, have. And we fail to see that against the Red Bulls until you know, weak, uh, tired legs kicked in in the last 10 minutes or so. Hmm. Well, let's, let's uh, just, one of the big bright spots we've already mentioned him was Martin Pass and um, did ask Coach Nico about him. And Nico just said, this is why we scouted in him, what we saw in him. Um, we're going to get to a, this nice choice comment here in a moment. But let's hear from, from uh, I got to ask Pass just kind of how he was settling in how he was feeling about the start to the season. And it's just uh, um, good to hear from him. It's, uh, it's, it's been great so far. Um, I think we're one of the least um, scored on defense. Like, I think I saw Phil- Philadelphia took two goals, so I was a little bit cheering for that as well. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy here. I can be myself on and off the pitch. Me and my girlfriend together, we are really, yeah, we're really enjoying life at the moment here. And uh, yeah. I hope it can continue like that. Short and sweet, but good to hear him settling in. I, I do think the question will be when FC Dallas decides to to purchase or if they're going to try to negotiate for another lower cost or something. But, uh, you know, it seems like they, uh, he's been solid. Yeah. They could also negotiate an extension too, which right. is another thing. All right, but he's been so solid. It seems like he's fitting in here. And if he's enjoying life in, in Frisco, why wouldn't you want to keep him around? But just just impressed with him uh, so far in this season. He's been a bright spot. By the way, uh, our buddy Javier American says Nano was missing on the attacking front. Just a just a mess with just mess with Ismail. <laughs> Nano was injured, if I remember correctly. So yeah, he was that's what I heard that he was injured. So yeah, here's here's a good question defending, from Ben. Defending would have been awful, man. It, we, it could have been pretty bad. I, Tomasi had a good game. And I, I was pleased with Quino, too. He came through by the end. By the end, he really was in control. But here's Ben saying, has there been another player that hit the ground running 
starting from day one and, and played this well, like like pass. And uh, that's Where a good question. Grezzo, he didn't say yeah. he didn't say pass. He, I mean, he could be talking about Nano for all we know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm sure he's talking about pass. He's talking about Frank O'Hara, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can yeah. tell Javier is having a good time. I mean, yeah, I mean, Paz, I think, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm as high as a lot of people are, but he's probably the best goalkeeper we've had. Um, yeah, maybe since Kevin Hartman. I think he's, he is really just really that solid. And I mean, I don't think he, he talked about Philadelphia. I don't think he'll be at the echelon of like Andre Blake where he just pulls off a miraculous save every like 45 minutes. But I think he has a potential to get there, right? He's 23. Like having that baseline of just being that solid day in, day out. I mean, the only mistake kind of that we've seen him do is that header in this week on this weekend, which Mm -hmm. I mean, we saw, we saw hints of that. I think it was, the San Antonio um, preseason game where he just came out like even farther out from the box on a counterattack and just headed it even f- but farther where it went out. So that might be his like little, his, <clears throat> little thing, uh, his, he, him wanting to head the ball um, and be an outfield player once in a while. Um, but I mean, he's solid. He, he's, he's good. He does. He's not like excelling in one type of thing, but he's just very good all around. Yeah, and I I glad you brought that up because uh, it I'm not saying it's a weakness, but in a league like this, it's a good way to get injured because it gives it gives offensive minded players, you know, who are physical themselves, a good chance to get in a, you know, a nice shoulder or a nice, you know, leg or something, and and that happens in this league. And uh, when you come out there that far, you leave yourself open to some something like that. So. Well, shifting over to um, our our MLS Next Pro team, North Texas SC, also earned good points. Huge, big win against the San Jose Earthquakes 2. Interestingly enough, a game which which uh, featured uh, Shea Salinas late, the MLS veteran, longtime wow. veteran. Uh, 33, 34 years 35. old? 35. 35. Oh, my. Texas, Almost. He's, a, he's a Texas uh, born and raised. And he's a Texan. Lubbock. I always wondered yep. if he would end up in Dallas at some point, but he's with the Quakes too right now, I guess rehabbing or whatever, but uh, a, a huge goal late from Bernard Camungo, who has now scored in three straight matches. North Texas earns all three points on the road. Uh, I was hoping to have some video with Coach Call, but wasn't able to <clears throat> to get it in time and just say that uh, I am impressed by this head coach. I'm impressed by what he's doing with this team. And uh, it's uh, it, they're a fun team to watch. That's that's it. They're battling. They're battling. Yeah, um, I watched the game, and uh, there was a very interesting shift in the formation and the tactics at halftime. Uh, they came out with their typical four-three-three, and and really were weren't looking all that good. Uh, it was really honestly not much different than the, than the. Uh, uh, Red Bull match with FCD really where they were basically having to scramble a lot. So what happened is they, they brought in the uh, the kid from Germany uh, Mulatto uh, in for Blaine Ferry actually 
and they went to a four, two, three, one, and uh, just altered their formation and gave up possession, which is not like North Texas. North Texas likes to have possession. I think they ended up with only 40% possession in this match. So it was a completely change of style. And uh, but you got to see them their speed used on defense, where they they were swarming, they were playing swarming defense, and it wasn't uncommon for for San Jose to have a, a guy with the ball have two three guys converging him out of nowhere, and there was so there was a lot of turnovers in midfield going both ways. It was very, very very different game that you normally see from North Texas, uh, which by the way did not play uh, Parker. And did not play uh, um, Bartlett, who were probably going to play uh, Open Cup, in the USOC. Right? So, so you got to see the kid, the Canadian kid, who actually looked really solid, and uh, Nolan Norris played at uh, left back, and and he he wasn't outstanding, but he was solid. He was passable. Uh, a good. Uh, I'm not going to say he looked great, and he did get pulled in the 73rd minute as a response to Salinas coming in. But he was solid enough for for the first time I've seen him uh, since preseason. Yeah, and you wonder. You know, earlier on, we talked about the, some of the criticism about the late sub from Nico, which was a bit frustrating, especially when it wasn't like the team was playing super hot. FC Dallas wasn't, but maybe that that does, par, you know, point to Nico's thinking about this U.S. Open Cup match that. He was hoping to keep his bench fairly fresh and, and give them an opportunity to go up against FC Tulsa. Um, but so yeah. that, that's a nice nugget. Uh, I, I do agree with that. I, I do think that that's we. I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but afterwards, when we went after it was all said and done, you're like, well, you know, it, it does look like maybe he wants to make sure we're fresh against Tulsa. Um, we don't know that for sure, but I mean that's one theory. And like I said, he he didn't play any. Um, the only two FC Dallas players that played with North Texas were uh, Carrera and uh, Colin Smith, who are both loaned to the team for the year, and nobody else. So it was mostly North Texas guys and uh, a couple of uh, kids from the academy, notably Nolan Norris, uh, Santi Ferreira, and. Uh, Baker came in late, I believe. Well, good stuff. Well, let's let's shift to this week um, and and think about for, first up, of course, is uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday evening. Um, FC Tulsa comes into town. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I, I keep an eye on Tulsa. I've been to one of their matches when they were still called the Roughnecks at that point. So, been if they're on, um, especially with Oklahoma City Energy out of action for the year. Um, kind of reorganizing. So Tulsa is kind of the only Oklahoma option I've got if I want to watch Oklahoma team. And and I'll just say the team looks like a USL championship team. They've they're um they've got uh, a, a, they're not as quite as raw as a next pro team or even a USL League 1, but they've got a couple of younger players that that look interesting, that look like they could have potential and they've got some uh, I think they got a El Salvadorian national team player. Um they've got yeah. Joaquin yeah. Rivas. Yeah, they got they've got some guys who have some experience and have have bounced around and and ha, have also been successful in USL Championship. So it's a solid team. They they have played well. I mean, their left back Gabby Torres, I think, is an interesting prospect. It, it'll be 
He's made the USLC uh, team of the week two or three weeks in a row. He's just been solid, a playmaker kind of guy. I don't. I, I think he has promise to make maybe be in a, a major league soccer team in the future because you know left backs you always need a good left back or even a, a, a depth piece you know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what how this team lines up. Obviously, it's at home though, so FC Dallas should be comfortable, comfortably taking care of business here. Um, and I mean, I think uh, Tulsa their weakness is their defense. They have the one of the worst defenses in the East, with um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 13 goals conceded. But conversely, they have one of the best attacks with 12 goals scored. Um, and I mean, I think that's a little bit due to like that. Winger Joaquin Rivas. They have a striker from the old MLS days, an old GA player, JJ Williams, who I mm-hmm. always thought was very just ha- has the athleticism, just not the technique to be an MLS. He's the specimen, really. Um, you have a like it's it's a it's a very good attack. The defense, I think, is underwhelming this year because they have they had made some improvements. So I mean. They they just came off of a loss to uh, Tampa, which makes sense, especially in Tampa, because Tampa's one of the best sides in the league. Uh, it's just going to be interesting that from there, how will they fare going into Toyota? I mean, expectations should be that we win, but this is Open Cup. Anything goes. Yeah. I, I want to see to make a run. I think we all do, and we but we've seen that that last year uh the last time not last year but the last time they got knocked out by a usl championship team so so they can't just walk in there and think they're just gonna waltz over these guys um these teams from from the lower leagues circle their calendar when they're gonna play an mls team and and uh you got to think there's a little extra fire in their step and you know dallas isn't gonna play their best 11 uh they they're gonna play some guys that may be a little rusty that maybe need minutes. So uh, it, the, mm-hmm. if they don't, if, if they're not on their toes, they absolutely could have a team like uh, Tulsa come in and, and beat them. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to watch. Well, oh, Buck asked this question, thoughts on rotation for the game tomorrow. And one thing um, that we've been chattering about in the background is that apparently the roster rules are different this year for the U.S. Open Cup, and and that so teams are not bound by the limits of the five international players like it kind of has been uh, in the past. And so, which opens the door for you know, I, I Frank O'Hara to start. I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen, but it, it does open the door to some guys getting minutes that we would normally see with the senior team. But but this is a good chance for them to. For FC Dallas, have more more of those players on the field. And what do you guys think about the that what the what the lineup is going to look like tomorrow? Um, Go ahead, Ismail. Yeah. All right. So I think keeper. We all think it's going to be Jimmy because Carrera is basically at North Texas. You're probably not going to play pass. Uh, I think you go center back. So you guys said Bartlett might play. I'm. I think he might come off the bench um, because I think you probably – you give Nkosi his minutes since he hasn't really been getting a lot of minutes. And, I mean, Quinone's made the bench. So, I mean, 
I don't know if they are thinking him thinking of him as a wing back or as a center back, but like I'm working under the assumption that he's going to play center back. Uh, you probably have Munjoma and Parker as the wing backs because again they didn't play Parker, so he'll probably be left back and play Munjoma at right back. He may, he actually got on against Red Bulls at the end. Uh, a lot of people were saying Sabrio might start. I sincerely hope it is Faku. I don't know if they will because he just played against Red Bulls. But just looking at Houston, I would prefer playing Sirio, um just because of the importance of that game, home turf, uh, rivalry. Um, and then I think the other two midfields would probably be Siki and Khalil. Uh, Khalil reportedly was is playing in training as a midfielder because that's obviously we know is a spot that they're kind of limited at. Uh, I don't think they'll loan up Ferry, but that might happen. And, yeah, and Nicky Hernandez yeah. just got loaned to San Antonio, so he's probably yeah. not. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then the attack is the fun part, right? So I think right winger, I think we can say probably they'll give Aubrey on that. I don't – maybe, maybe not. But the more interesting thing is will Schoen start, right? Um, because – if Schoen starts, then I think it will be Schoen on the left and then Redzik up top because Redzik's been the other player in rotation at striker. Uh, if Schoen doesn't start, then you probably put Redzik out wide and Hara up top. It just It just depends on what really is happening with Schoen. I don't know. I mean, because like uh, Javier just asked, Schoen was not on the bench this weekend. And he hasn't made an appearance. We've talked about his international duties. But, I mean, he's had time, I think, at this point to integrate with the team fully, I would say. It's mm-hmm. been three weeks, if I'm not mistaken, since the international break. He wasn't even on the bench. Right. That, I mean, Something that seems on. like a worrying sign. Maybe he's gotten frozen out. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything Ismail said. Uh, I do expect Hara to be the starter up top. I do expect uh, Redzik on the left over Shun because, I mean, Nico has made no bones that Shun is not on the same page as everybody else, that he's lagging behind everybody else in uh, integrating to the team. And that just sounds to me like someone who's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, I expect Obriana to start on the right. I do believe Surreal is going to start, but I don't think he'll play the full, the full game. More like mm-hmm. I expect him to start and be uh, early sub out. You know, uh, I would be surprised if he plays more than a half. In all honesty, uh, basically just to keep him sharp going into the Houston game. Uh, the back line. Um, so here's my thing: is I expect Bartlett and Tafari to be the the pairing. I don't think I think if Bartlett wasn't going to start he would have played for North Texas, but he didn't. So I think it's Bartlett Tafari is their pairing. I do expect Parker to start on the left. The the right, though, I'm kind of curious to see if if it will be Munjoma or if they're going to give uh, Quinones the start there. Here's a guy who can play all four spots. And, and I would be kind of watching to see if that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know they very well could they very well could start uh, uh, Bartlett 
I mean, Quinones ahead of Bartlett. But here's another thing that we're not considering is Cerillo doesn't start, and neither does uh, uh, Baku. And they start out with a three bat, three, uh, three in the back with Tafari, Bartlett, and Quinones, and then play Parker as a wing back, which he's more of a winger anyway. And Munjoma also as a, as, a, as a right wing back, and then you have basically a three in the back formation. So I, that's one thing I'm curious about. I, I think when you look at the style of players that those that's those three in the back line are, they're all young, physical, fast players. Uh, I think Quinones is more of a quick, faster player than the physical player, but they're the kind of athletic, fast players you'd want in the three-man back line. So I'm kind of curious. That's the one thing I keep an eye out is my wild card is it's a three-man back line. Hmm. I mean, three-man back line is a good shout. I haven't heard of them doing that at training. And, I mean, the only time they've done that in the league was when they just tried to match uh, Colorado and they just dropped Serio farther back to support defense. It was just moving Serio back. And they could. I don't know. I, I'd feel, I don't know. I'm not Nico, but <laughs> you'd feel uncomfortable. Would, but I'm just saying, I, yeah. I'm just saying that with those three guys, I think I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if we see a three-man backline. That's just my wild card throw out there mm-hmm. for you guys. So if it happens, you can say you heard it here first. Not likely; it'll probably be more like along the lines of of what Ismail said. But just throwing that out there. I guess. I mean, we don't know. There's a chance Hernandez, you know, Nicky only got a few minutes, I think, with San Antonio this past weekend. And so maybe there's a chance he does. He comes back up and helps the team out. I think he's uh, loaned for the full no. year. It's for yeah. the full yeah. year. Yeah. And and everyone knows he's there to help knock out Austin FC from the okay. from the tournament. So that's what I'll be yeah, cheering awesome. Sleeper agent. Yeah. That'd be a, great. The plot within the plot. All right, good. Well, all right. So we have a lot to look forward to. But, of course, the Open Cup. Why we love it, it's it's just anything can happen. It can be wild. It can be gritty. Uh, you know, and I, I remember that that it was FC Dallas against New Mexico United. And, ah, just such a frustrating game as an FC Dallas fan to watch. But you give credit to New Mexico United for, for battling, you know. And that's it gives a chance for a team yeah. like Tulsa just to, to make a run, you know. That was, that was the start of Pepe playing for FC Dallas. Mm-hmm. That was his first game. Nice, cool. The nice, only good thing nice about little, that game. Nice, nice little nugget. <laughs> good little nugget. Yeah. So, all right. Then we're turning our attention to this weekend um, as FC Dallas plays Houston Dynamo, our hated rival. I mean, Austin's like that little is like is like your parents having a having a kid when you're in your teens. Like it's just like, what is this guy doing around here? We don't really. He's annoying, but it's Houston that we have the true rivalry with. And interestingly enough, Houston has the same um, same record as FC Dallas at this standing this start of the season. Actually, FC Dallas right now is ranked just above Houston in the Western Conference standings, um, maybe because of home record, um, but same point kind of average and things. So. But a different schedule, a different schedule. Houston's had a much softer schedule to start the season, and FC Dallas has had to play some teams that, like Toronto and Chicago and uh, others who are on the rise. So let's just let's, let's talk about it, uh, talk about this match. First of all, what 
What is different about Houston Dynamo this year with their new head coach, Paulo Nagamura, uh, an SKC guy through and through? Um, how are they playing, Ishmael? Well, I mean, we talked about it before the pod. Uh, the main thing is, so Nagamura had this style at SKC too about like possessing and pushing the play forward slowly but keeping possession. Um, he tried that in his first game. It failed miserably. And now they're uh, seating deep, pressing, and counterattacking. Which, again, I mean, credit to him. I mean, he uh, he reacted quicker than Tab Ramos did to reacting to how the team is built. Uh, just not trying to force something out of nothing. Uh, and, I mean, the team plays okay. Uh, they're, they, they play a 4-2-3-1. Uh, Two defensive mids, uh, two very fast wingers, target forward, uh, a talented uh, attacking midfielder with a decent skill set, and Quintero. They have two very good Brazilians just um, transitioning into the team. Um, One of them, I think, made uh, the bench and maybe made an appearance this weekend. I think that's Zeca. I think that's how you pronounce it. the other one, I'm trying to remember his name, but he hasn't been on the bench yet. Um, uh, Tiago, his name is Tiago. Uh, he hasn't been on the bench yet. I think he was signed like two weeks ago, so he might not be available. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, star, star players on the team. It is really Quintero. Uh, this is when Quintero has played this season. He looks very good or very bad. He's a either a star or disappears onto the field. Um, and I mean, the two defensive mids in Vera and Karskia. Karskia is not a defensive mid. He's like an eight. They're very good. They're very solid. Uh, Vera is one of the best defensive midfielders in the league. Karskia, very good eight. Very good at transitioning. Uh, the DP has been disappointing until. Two weeks ago, when they played San Jose, where he, he hasn't he hadn't scored until then, and then he scored two goals. But the main thing is, like you said, they've had a very nice schedule. Their victories have been against Inter Miami, where they won three one in Miami. They beat San Jose four to three at Houston, and their other victory. I'm trying to remember. Their other victory was against uh, Vancouver, who are bottom of the league for for the West. So they've had a very nice schedule, and so have Austin. Soft. They've had a soft schedule. Soft. And, like, and a nice, be... like a nice ripe orange soft schedule, right? I mean, they've had, they have, they've had a soft schedule, and, and I think you can look at that schedule and look at their performances and say – you we shouldn't be surprised where they're at. They've they've obviously improved from last year, and and uh, you're kind of jealous at some of their opponents they face and say, "Guy, why why couldn't we play those guys?" So I think I think that's something where you say uh, this is an opponent, even though it's a rivalry. I don't see why we can't come out with three points from that match. Um, the teams look equal. But it's just mirrors. It's smoke and mirrors. Houston is here on smoke and mirrors. They've they've basically played a soft schedule, gotten some good home cooking, and 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 really, 
you have to wonder if they had the same schedule as FC Dallas, if they would be where they're at right now. So I think, I think you're going to see Houston get exposed this weekend. And uh, I'm not claiming that Dallas is going to dominate. This is, this is a rivalry game after all, but I do expect FC Dallas to come out on top. Okay. Okay. Good, good two nothing win would just be, would be nice. It would be great. It would be great. Uh, I think that's just it. It's, it's basically it's a match where you don't want to go into second half tied zero zero. So I, I think I think it's very important that the team get a goal early and force them to come out of that shell, you know, force them to open up. And then if that happens, if FC Dallas can get a goal early, then I could see a, a scoreline that's more than two goals, and that's what you want. You don't want you don't want to be going second half wondering you know who's going to score first mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i think tactically when we're talking about how what fc dallas needs to be worried about defensively mainly is about how, how well you mark uh pico and um Pasher. and quintero Kint- right and quintero yeah but like quintero will be generally uh on the ball, trying to dribble through, and then he'll make that pass right to the winger. That's the play. Mm-hmm. That's the play that they like yep. to go with. And if you give Pico or Pasher like a step, which I mean, I love Tumasi, but he sometimes does that. And Farfan, the I think the glitz and glam from his first four or five games is starting to wear off a little bit. It's not the same high level performance as it was at the beginning of the season. If you give them that step, they will get an opening, and it's not a shot that they'll do. It's a cross. And the thing is, again. Ferreira, their new DP striker, hasn't been consistent, but he did come off two weeks ago off of a brace against the amazing San Jose Earthquakes. They're an incredible team, right? Um, but he just he just came off of a brace, so we know he can score. We know he can play off that he can play off of that system. Um, and I mean, defensively, just get past Vera. I mean, attackingly, you need to get past Vera. Once you get past him. Clark has not been as good as he has he was for Portland as a keeper. The center backs are not different; they're the same center backs. They haven't really improved that much. Um, just you you get past Vera, you get past like he he will he will he will he will, he will be he's like a Grezo kind of player. That's if you're thinking of how you want to compare Vera, he's like a Grezo. You get past him uh, consistently, you will get chances. If you don't. You won't get chances. So, I mean, that's kind of the play after you're attacking. Again, Paxton and Serena going out wide might be a problem because, again, you leave Quintero one-on-one against either Serena or Faku. At some time, at some point, Quintero is going to get through. And when he gets through, he will either get it out wide to the wingers to cross or like pull out magic from his hat like he sometimes does. So... Um, Tiago, by the way, started for Houston Dynamo 2 this past weekend. If you're wondering where he was, that's where he was, as they were putting up four goals on their opponents. Um, Plays in a similar style, actually, to the parent club. You know, they play a very defensive-minded game. Uh, They sit back. They play the best team defense you're going to see in MLS Next Pro right now. Uh, they've only allowed one goal in four matches. Uh, that's tops, and uh, they, they're a team that is more and uh, they're excellent 
at set pieces in their first three matches. They scored one set piece every week. And so, like, their first two games that they won, they won 1-0. They basically scored a set piece and were happy to just grind out the game, their first two games. And now in the last two weeks, we've seen them suddenly uh, start to click on the counter where they basically score a goal. And then as teams open up, they hit you on that quick counter. They got really fast wings. Their danger guy is Palomino, number 10. He's got four goals for them. He, he's a, a right winger, and he is basically uh, – he. if you saw the Bernard Camungo goal, that's basically the same thing. It's going to be whoever starting at left back uh, for – uh, North Texas is going to have their hands full because that's the game. That's the, that's the play they're going to be doing. They're going to be trying to basically sit back, defend, 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 and try to hit North Texas on the quick counter. Uh, Tiago could be starting on the opposite side. Same thing. He was basically a clone of Palomino. Uh, from what I saw, they, they could strike any sides. And then they've got their uh, center forward, uh, Ndoye, Papa Ndoye. He's got like that's two goals and three assists. Yeah. Yep, uh, he basically has two goals and, and and three assists, and all three of their attackers have basically been able to hit teams on the counter. They've scored eight goals, or it's, it's I believe it's I think it's eight goals in the last two weeks against uh, their opponents, where they basically scored first. The other teams were forced to open up, and then they just hit them counter, counter, counter. Uh, they play in the style that you need to play to beat a team like North Texas in the tried and true method that USFL League One teams play, which is sit back in a low block or mid block, defend, 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 try to catch North Texas on the counter, um, and and basically the uh, and be able to hit set pieces. Uh, they do three of the four things you need to do to beat North Texas, and the one thing they don't do well is they actually do turn over the ball quite a bit. For a team that's so defensive, they they actually do turn the ball over a lot, and North Texas punishes teams that do that. North Texas is one of the few teams that can take a turnover and score on you within seconds. And mind you, Houston's shown that they can do that too. So it's going to be a very interesting game of cat and mouse. They both have one opponent that they both played, and that's San Jose Earthquakes who North Texas beat in San Jose 1-0 and Houston beat at home 1-0 off a set piece. So I expect a very evenly matched game. Um, I would not be shocked if Houston walks out of here, out of, out of there with a draw because they play so well defensively. But ideally, it's probably going to be a 1-0 game. And the question is, who gets that goal? Because if Houston gets that goal, and oh, by the way, They've scored early in every game. The latest they've scored a goal is 28 minutes last week. Other than that, they've scored in the 20th minute, the 7th minute, the 8th minute, and the 28th minute. So they're very good at getting that early goal and then just sitting back and letting you basically get impaled on their defense. So should be an exciting game. By the way, the top two, the top three teams in the Western Division and in MLS Next Pro are all in the same division. Houston, North Texas, St. Louis City, SC2, the top three teams in the league all play in the same division. How crazy is that? Good stuff. Interesting stuff. There's a lot, 
It's going to be a good week of soccer, a good week of uh, action there in, in Frisco and in Choctaw Stadium. So um, good stuff to, to watch and see how things unfold. And of course, we got to say, as our as our as our friend Javier said, we got to crush the orange. It's 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 time FC Dallas to reassert dominance. We're gonna, we're gonna crush the orange and the baby orange. So we got orange we gotta, and the baby orange. We got to crush them both. Make some orange yeah. juice. That's yeah, I mean, they're really, they're. I don't I don't really care about like excuses. If you get outperformed at home, that's that's not a good. There's that will no be the first bad result. So it needs to be a win. It always needs to be a win, no matter what, when it's against Houston. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, by the way, another thing: uh, Houston Dynamo two number one attack in the league, uh, in the Western Conference, number one defense coming into the game. Uh, I believe North Texas is second or third on both. So should be a hell of a game. Well, good. And jumping back to the Mavs, they're up 107 to 102. 33 seconds left. Not, right. not a Mavs fan. Sorry. Yeah. What is basketball? I am a bit of a Mavs fan, but I'll tell you all that story some other time. It goes way back. <laughs> I, I stopped watching basketball. I used to watch the NBA back in the 80s and 90s, but at some point I just lost, you know, I, hey, I lost interest in it. I, hear I think you. it's all I the different rule changes. Yeah, I hear you. Well, good. Well, uh, let's let's leave it there for now. We're looking ahead uh, to uh, a full week of action. Of course, tomorrow evening, Tulsa, uh, FC Tulsa. Uh, at Toyota as the Open Cup play in action begins for FC Dallas. And then again this weekend, I think a, an afternoon game on Saturday against the Houston Dynamo. Should be an interesting one. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there. Thank you. Of course, you can always subscribe. If you miss it live, miss our pod live, and find it wherever you find podcasts. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. And, of course, we'd love to have you join us live uh, as we continue to talk FC Dallas in North Texas. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. Night.